Now, this morning I invite you to take your Bibles, and we want to wrap up this series on giving uh, God grace and generosity. Over the last three weeks, we've been looking at 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, and today we want to pick it up at verse 9 of chapter, uh, verse 6 of chapter 9, and we will work our way through the rest of the chapter. Let's Ask the Holy Spirit to be our teacher and to open our mind to God's truth today. Father, we love you. Uh, What a joy it is to be together, uh, to sing praise to you, to exalt you. You are our king. Uh, We have so much to be grateful for. And we thank you for this uh, Thanksgiving season. And now as we move into this special time, as we remember your birth, uh, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be prepared for just a, a wonderful time of uh, celebrating all that we have because we belong to you. You are our king. You are the babe who changed everything. You are our savior, our Lord, and our master. And we love you so much. Uh, So Lord, guide our thoughts. Encourage us through your word again this day. We'll thank you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. It's very interesting that people oftentimes respond to the receiving of a gift in very different ways. Uh, Some people, when they receive a gift, they're exhilarated. Uh, Others are disappointed. Some are satisfied. Some are dissatisfied, especially if the gift wasn't what they were anticipating it to be. Uh, Some folks are full of gratitude when they receive a gift. Other times, uh, there is a spirit of ingratitude. So, There's many different ways people respond to the reception of a gift, especially if the gift has been unexpected. Reminds me of the story of the elderly gentleman who uh, was living his life, but he was up in years, and uh, his family was very concerned for him because he had heart troubles. And uh, he had just inherited uh, $200,000. And so they didn't know how to break the news to him without, you know, having something go, go crazy and uh, it would send him into cardiac arrest or whatever. And so, of course, they asked the pastor, you, you know, you, you know how to, to deal with these kind of things and, and you know how to talk to people in, in this kind of a situation. And so they asked the pastor to go and break the news to this gentleman of his good fortune that he had been the recipient of $200,000. And so the pastor, he prayed about it for a period of time, and he didn't know exactly what he was going to say, but he, he just asked the Lord to kind of prepare his heart to, to share with this elderly gentleman. So he went over to the gentleman's house, and they sat down, and they had a good time of discussion. And then the pastor very uh, tenderly approached the subject, and he said, he said this. He said, uh, uh, sir, he said, suppose uh, you would... In, uh, you." you've inherited $200,000, what would you do with it? Uh, And the old gentleman said, well, I'd give half of it to you. And the pastor dropped dead. You see, it's very interesting how oftentimes when we receive gifts, uh, we have different reactions to it. And as God's people, we need to be thankful for God's gifts. But instead of of uh, worrying about how much we make, 
We want to make a life that is centered on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Riches are of no value apart from a personal relationship to the Lord who gave his all for us. He left the glories of heaven for us. He was born in a very humble manger. He left everything so that he might become our sin substitute. He grew up, he went to the cross, he was resurrected. And it's only as we have a relationship with him and have experienced his grace in our lives that we truly are equipped to become uh, generous individuals. Now, if you've been with us over these last few weeks, uh, we have been looking very closely at these two chapters. And uh, in chapter 8, verses 1 to 6, we had the example of giving where Paul is seeking to stir up the uh, minds of the Corinthians to follow through on what they had promised in terms of giving a gift to the Jerusalem church who had sent them out who'd been sent out to plant these churches, but now had fallen on hard times. And he reminds the Corinthians that the Macedonians had been so generous because of the grace of God. And he says in chapter 8 and verse 1, And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. And it was because of the grace of God that they're welled up within these people who at that particular time, remember the Macedonians, uh, they were going through difficulties as well. In fact, the scripture describes them as being uh, poverty stricken. And yet because of God's grace, they had been generous in giving to uh, this need that the Jerusalem church had. And one of the reasons for that was they had first given themselves to the Lord. Notice, Uh, chapter 8 and verse 5, and they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So the Macedonians are a wonderful example of people who've been touched by the grace of God, and the end result is that they're generous with their time, their talent, and also their treasure. Then we moved on to Paul's explanation for giving in chapter 8, verses 7 to 15. And obviously, the Corinthians had the question, well, why should we give? Why is it important for us, as we've been touched by the grace of God, why should we uh, desire to give? And Paul gives them three specific reasons. He says in verse 8, it evidences our love. It it demonstrates that we really are in love with Jesus. Uh, Number two, it emulates our Lord. He, He gave so much for us. And when we give, we are emulating him. And in verse 11, Uh, It enables us to keep our trust with God. And finally, it eases the financial lack of others. So he's walking them through this very important uh, passage which deals with the whole discipline of giving to the Lord Jesus. Then last Sunday, you'll remember, we discovered what Paul had to say about the ethics of giving in 2 Corinthians 8, 16 through chapter 9 and verse 5. And here he talks about stewardship as being a two-way street. Not only must there be integrity uh, in terms of the way in which we give our gifts, but the organizations to whom we give our gifts must be full of of integrity uh, as well and properly administer the funds received. Uh, We are wanting to make sure that, that we handle everything very discreetly, and we want to do so before God and then before 
the eyes of a watching world. Notice what he says in verse 21, for we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men. And now as he concludes, he's talked about an example of giving. He's given us the reason why we should give. He's talked to us about the ethics of giving, that we are to give with integrity according to our ability and in a spirit of equality. And now he moves on to talk about what are the outcomes? What are the effects of being generous in our giving to the Lord Jesus? But before he goes into the benefits, he shares four practical ways in which we as God's people are to give because of what God has done in our lives. You see, uh, as uh, transformed individuals who've been saved by the power of God, God changes us. He changes our priorities in everything that we do in life. And so as it relates to this spiritual discipline of, of giving, he gives us several important uh, guidelines. First of all, he says in verse uh, 6 of chapter 9, we are to give generously. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And he uses the analogy of the farmer. He says that giving is like sowing seed, that when we sow our seed uh, and we will reap a harvest because we've been faithful in investing and planting seeds. And the more seeds we plant, the greater will be our return on the investment. But he also says the reverse is true. If we sow sparingly, uh, if we do it in a miserly, and we keep most of it to ourselves, we can't expect to receive much from the Lord. However, he is quick to point out that we do not give in order to get. We give because of our love for Jesus and because it's an act of worship. We give generously, and in the process we receive many unanticipated blessings or serendipities. Our generosity springs from our gratitude to God for giving all to us. So first of all, he says, uh, when you receive this offering, I want you to do so cheerfully. I want you to give your gifts cheerfully rather than sparingly. In verse 7, he says, we're to give purposefully. Notice, he says, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. He says, he, he says, I want you to give this from the heart. I want you to do so willingly, not because you have to give. You give because you delight in Jesus and you're so thankful for what he's done in your life. You see, to give under compulsion or to give because we have to, to give, that's grudge giving or obligation giving. And throughout this, these verses, Paul wants us to experience the joy of giving, the delight of giving because of what God has done within us. And then he also says we are to give uh, cheerfully in verse 7. He says, for God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, this is a very interesting expression. It means that we give with a joy that cannot be restrained. Uh, there is something about giving to the Lord and doing that which invests and expands the kingdom. It brings not only joy to God, but it also brings great joy to us. And so after describing the way in which we're to give, then Paul begins to talk about the benefits. What are the outcomes of honoring the Lord with the first fruits of our income? 
It's very interesting that he speaks to them about the effects as if they've already occurred, uh, and he's so confident that the uh, Corinthians are going to follow the Macedonians in giving this wonderful gift to the Jerusalem church that he speaks as if it's already done, that they're already experiencing the blessing of honoring the Lord this way. And uh, it's very interesting as you continue to study this particular passage and other passages in the scripture, we do discover that the Corinthians did step up to the plate and they did offer a generous offering along with the Macedonians to the Jerusalem church. And Paul speaks about this in Romans chapter 15 and verse 26 where he says for Macedonia and Achaia, that is Corinth, were pleased to make a contribution to the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. In other words, the Corinthians heeded Paul's encouragement. They stepped up to the plate, and what they had promised to do, they actually completed. And as he speaks to them now, he's speaking about the benefits that are theirs because they've been generous in sharing with the mother church that has been in need. Now, what are the benefits or the effects of grace giving? First of all, material needs will be met. Look at this in verse 8. And God is able. Let's say that together. God is able. Let's do it one more time. God is able. You see, it may seem like a risk to give to God when we are experiencing difficulty and being hard-pressed. Both the Corinthians and the Macedonians, they were not in the best place financially to give, but they gave generously because of what God was doing within their hearts. God is able, notice, he says, to make all grace abound to you. Notice, so that, put a circle around that, in all things, in all things, and at all times, and having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. In other words, he says, one of the results of your generosity is that God's going to meet all your needs. You're not going to have to go wanting. Every need that you have is going to be supplied because you have honored the Lord by being generous in helping out this body of people that have been so instrumental in your spiritual rebirth. You're helping them, and in the process, God is meeting every single need that you have. God's grace resulted in this generosity. And notice, he says, that you have everything that you need. In other words, when we honor the Lord with our giving, we, we, never, we never come up short. <laughs> uh, the point is simply this. In honoring the Lord there will always be more than enough left over to meet every single need that we have. And this speaks of contentment. You see, when God meets all of our needs, because we have been generous in our giving, uh, one of the other blessings of that is contentment. Uh, and there are a lot of people today who have no contentment because they've never understood the beauty of what it means to be generous with our giving to the Lord Jesus. It's interesting, First Timothy Chapter 6, verses 6 to 7, it says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can't take anything out of the world. See, contentment is something that happens as we are walking in obedience to the Lord Jesus. And 
uh, we're not taken up with all the gadgets and all the things of this life. Uh, we are wanting to make sure that we store up eternal treasure that cannot rust or rot in any way. In fact, there are some folks who never experience contentment because they're so wrapped up in things. And things begin to occupy uh, the centerpiece of their lives. And Paul says, if we get our eyes off things and we begin to honor the Lord the way he has called us to honor him, we will continue to abound, notice, last part of verse 8, in every good work. And he goes on to say that God takes care of the generous giver in two specific ways. First of all, he meets the giver's needs. You see, look at verse 10. Now he who supplied seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. In other words, when we honor the Lord, when we give him the very best, we give him the first cut, he promises to meet every one of our material needs. In fact, Paul talks about this in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19. He says, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God's resources never run dry. And as we are generous in giving to that which is eternal, uh, God promises to meet our needs and then some. We'll always have more than enough when we honor the Lord. And then secondly, he multiplies our resources. Notice, last part of verse 10, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. In other words, as we give, God takes our gifts and multiplies them in ways that we could never dream of. He takes the gifts that we give in honor of him and he multiplies them and he increases the harvest. And our gifts go in ways that we can't even begin to imagine in terms of touching lives for eternity. I think that there's been a number of outstanding Christian businessmen that have followed this principle. They have given generous to the Lord and God has met every one of their needs and then some. I think of Stanley Tam, who was a businessman in Ohio and he began to tithe, give 10% of his income to the Lord early in life. And then he began to give 30%, 40%, 50%. Finally, he turned his business over to the Lord. If you're ever on Interstate 75 going toward Cincinnati and you pass Lima, Ohio, you will see a huge warehouse. And on the outside of that warehouse, you have this phrase, God owns my business. That is Stanley Tam's business. He gave his business over to the Lord, and God has continued to multiply his resources in ways that he could never imagine. The same can be said about Heinz of the 57 varieties and Kraft of Kraft cheese. They're all successful businessmen who honored the Lord by giving the very best that they had, and God has seen to it that their harvest is multiplied many times over. Let me put it as simply as I can. No one has ever gone bankrupt because they have given to the Lord. People go bankrupt when we don't manage our resources well. But bankruptcy does not come because we honor the Lord with our grace gifts. When we honor the Lord and we are 
diligent in making sure that we give God the top cut. That's what Paul is talking about here. He promises that our needs are going to be met and our resources are going to be multiplied many times over. It's interesting, you know, we go to a restaurant and we eat. And after we eat, it's always kind of a common practice to what? To leave a tip. You leave a tip, and usually it's like, used to be like 10%, now it's about 18%. Now they're actually encouraging 20%. And most of us give that tip without ever thinking about it. You just stop and think about this. We give an 18% tip, a 20% tip to a person we've only known for maybe 20 or 30 minutes. And yet we forget when it comes to actually honoring the Lord with our tithes and our offerings. It's very interesting. God wants more than a tip. He wants us to invest in eternity and use our gifts in a way that will multiply and expand kingdom resources for the glory of God. I was talking to you about this a couple of Sundays ago about the tithe being the, 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 uh, the minimum, not the maximum. But yesterday, the other day, I was coming across an interesting article which said, and this was talking about Christians across the world. Instead of giving 10%, the national average is about 2.5%. The average individual across the board gives about 2.5%. If all those individuals gave at least 10%, do you know how much money, extra money there would be for the kingdom? Almost $200 million of investment for the kingdom. It's very interesting, the cults, you know, they, they do an assessment. People have to give to them. But when we give, we give willingly. We, we don't give under compulsion. But it's very interesting that oftentimes we just give God a tip when he really wants us to give him that which we have the ability to give. Remember, we are not to give to outgive someone else. <laughs> We give because we love Jesus and because we want to see his work prosper. That's the bottom line. And then another result of all this is many thanksgivings will be offered to God. Notice verse 11. You will be made rich in every way. Notice, you and I, as our riches are not in things. Our riches are where? They're in Jesus. You see, if, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are the richest person alive today. Uh, I remember my dad talking about this. He said, John, he said, we don't have a lot, but he said, I want you to know you're a rich young man. You belong to Jesus. Jesus is running your life. And this is what Paul says. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through your generosity will result Notice, what are the results? Thanksgiving to God. You see, it's very interesting that when we give our gifts and they are used to advance the kingdom, the response on the other end is thanksgiving. People are thanking God because of the investment that we have made in the kingdom. Not only is it singular thanksgiving, result in thanksgiving, but keep on reading verse 12. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but
but is also overflowing in many, notice, many expressions of thanks to God. It's very interesting as we give our gifts generously to the Lord and God uses our gifts to impact eternal lives for the kingdom, those lives can never repay us what we have given, but they are full of thanksgiving. And they are thanking God over and over. There are hundreds of people that we will never meet because of the faithful giving of East Bay over the years. You think of the the missionaries. You think of all the investment that has been made in this place. There are many, many, many people that are thanking God every single day because we have been generous and we have responded to the grace of God that he has placed within us. This is a double blessing. And the reasons there's many trans, there's many <clears throat> thanksgivings is found again in verse 12. Notice, we have these many thanksgivings because God provided for their needs. Notice again, uh, in verse uh, 12 of chapter 9, he says, <clears throat> this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but overflowing. You're meeting other people's needs. You see, this is, God has created within us the ability to help others and to provide for those. We are so blessed as a country. All you have to do is go overseas to realize that most people do not have the kind of a lifestyle that we do. Uh, I am telling you, when you take a look at the poverty in our world and all the other things, we have been so blessed. And many of us continue to give to meet the needs of those. And that's one of the reasons why we have a strong missionary budget here at the church. We want to reach out and bless the lives of those that are less fortunate. But here's the other. Here is the other reason why there is praise. And that is the Corinthians and the Macedonians have proved that they are real and genuine. Their gifts symbolize their commitment to the gospel. And you see this in verse 13. Because of the service you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity and sharing with them and with everyone else. You see, it proves to those who have been the recipients of the gift that the Corinthians and the Macedonians really care about this mother church. Remember, remember there was kind of a division between the Jews and the Gentiles. But now these Gentile churches that have been started because the mother church sent out missionaries, these Gentiles now are helping the needs of the mother church's Jewish congregation, and in the process of helping each other's needs, they are being bonded together. There is something fabulous about responding to the needs that exist in the body. It builds partnerships, and it conveys to everyone that their love for Jesus Christ is genuine. In fact, the Jewish people now understand because of the generosity of the Macedonians and the Corinthians that yes, they are sons of God just as we are. They have responded to the gospel just as we have. And they're so excited about that. In fact, that had been Paul's concern all along. 
He wants them to prove the sincerity of their love. And when we give purposely and willingly and cheerfully, we prove that our love for Jesus is genuine. And then lastly, notice another result of giving generously and out of grace to the Lord is found in verse 14. Mutual love will be displayed. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given to you. Three things I want you to think about. Number one, love binds hearts together. Notice it says, their hearts will go out to you. In other words, where there had been maybe misunderstanding and where there had been some schism between the Jews and the Gentiles, now there was a sense of camaraderie. Their hearts go out to you. This speaks of how God is at work in not only the lives of the Jerusalem church, but also in the lives of the Macedonians and the Corinthians. There's no longer a schasm between Jewish and Gentile believers. Why? Because love has been tangibly expressed through this gift that has been given. And then number two, love builds prayer partnerships. Notice it says, and their prayers for you, and in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you. In other words, as the church in Corinth follows through on their commitment, as well as the Macedonians, they develop a prayer team because those that are the recipients of the gift are praising God and thanking God for the generosity that these people have expressed for their need. And it came not because they were asked to, but because of the grace of God at work in their lives. I'll never forget as a young seminary student, how the Lord would supply our needs supernaturally. You know, Sandy and I, we, we started out on life and uh, we didn't have much. And it seemed like whenever there was a school bill or there was something that we didn't have the resources to pay, there would be a gift. And we could never, ever repay all the generosity of people that helped us during those days But you know what we could do? We could praise God for them and pray for them and continue to remember them in our prayers and it knit us together. There are partnerships that are built because of generosity with our gifts. You know, my friends, I would just simply say this. There's not a missionary letter that crosses my desk where the missionary does not describe a sentence or two of saying, Thank you. Let the people know how much we appreciate their generosity. Let them know that their gifts are being used to impact the kingdom. We don't talk enough about this. So many times we drop our our gift into the little box in the back and we don't understand how God takes that generous gift and multiplies it so that many people around the world are giving thanks for East Bay, for the faithfulness of God's people in being generous with their gifts. 
My friend, when the Lord nudges us to give, we need to do so. I've said this many times. I started a tithing when I was a paper boy. Back at the Denver Post, made 40 bucks a month, gave the Lord $4. And I've continued to honor the Lord. God has always met every need that I've had. There's something about generosity that pleases God more than anything else. And then lastly, love points us to the ultimate lover. Look at this in verse 15. This is the climax of the chapter. He says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. This is the grand finale to this whole section on giving. He is saying, we give because we have been the recipients of the world's greatest gift, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the indescribable gift. The Living Bible translates it this way. He is the gift too wonderful for words. God so loved the world that he gave. And he sets the standard for all of us. And as we honor the Lord with that kind of generosity, it's interesting that material needs are going to be met. There's going to be many expressions of thanksgiving and mutual love will be demonstrated for eternity. You see, what we spend, we lose. What we keep will be left to others. But what we give away will remain ours forever. And there are going to be people in heaven. I think that's going to be one of the blessings of heaven. There are going to be people in heaven who are in heaven because we were faithful in giving. Whether that's in local outreach, whether it's in world missions, there are those that are in heaven because of the faithful giving of God's people. Not because we're under the law, but because we have been saved by grace. God's grace has changed us and made us into generous people that love him and honor him with all that we have. God loves a cheerful giver. Let's stand together, shall we please, for closing prayer. Father in heaven, we do love you and thank you so much for your gift, too wonderful for words. It is a gift that keeps on giving, and especially at this Christmas time as we give gifts to one another, help us also to remember that uh, our gifts we want to give to have an eternal impact. Uh, Lord, over the years you have used East Bay to bless others. There are many hundreds of people around the world that are saying thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. They are praying for us because you have moved in our hearts. And every time we place our gifts into that little black box, it's an expression of love to you. It's an act of worship. And the result is that needs are met and the body of Christ is expanded and the kingdom grows because we give out of a willing heart. We don't do so because we have to give. We do so because we're always falling more deeply in love with you. Thank you for 
the faithfulness of your people over the years. Continue, Lord, to supply every need that we have as we walk in obedience to you, our King forever. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and that sweet, sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be yours now and forevermore, we pray. Amen. Good morning and Maranatha. Lo, he comes. Have a great day.